Welcome to episode 268 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We're amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky and this podcast is for anybody else who likes going out under the stars, but we will not be going out under the stars today or tonight, will we Shane? No, our first little winter <laughs> storm of the year is hit and uh, it's snowing, so it's going to be cloudy for a few days, although I think by the end of the week we're more seasonal like the snow will not last it'll be gone in a few days and warm up and hopefully some clear skies yeah hopefully yeah but we're uh yeah i had to drive in i was out of my site and they said that it would likely lose power out there and so i wouldn't be recording this morning if i was out there and trying to figure out some sort of way to stay warm and debating when to drive in so i just pulled the plug early it was tough to leave because it was like 13 or 14 degrees and sunny when when I left yesterday, I was like, what am I doing? Calm and beautiful weather. So yeah, <laughs> the calm before the storm, calm before the storm. But did you get any time on the stars before the snow shower started up? I did not. Um, it wasn't a great week. Like there wasn't, there was a number of, you know, cloudy or partly cloudy nights. I think earlier in the week, Monday night might've been okay, but I wasn't able to get out. So how about you? Yeah, no, same thing. There was, I think Monday and or Tuesday um, was good. Maybe Wednesday was good, but uh, had to get my car in the shop before winter arrived to just do all that kind of winter prep stuff. Uh, I don't switch tires or anything because I use like a big monster truck tire on my Subaru. Um, but uh, yeah, I just had to get it sort of, uh, you know, all squared up. Cause I thought if it, if it's not too bad, I'll roll the dice and stay out there uh, even in bad weather. But uh, yeah, it was just looking even, even nastier than uh, what was originally forecast. So anyway, sacrificed a night to uh, make sure my, uh, car didn't end up uh, breaking down on me in the middle of blizzard. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's what happens sometimes life gets in the way of astronomy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I did a good sketch of that, uh, Europa transit. I, uh, I observed, I'd never sketched such a thing before. I used some uh, colored pencils there and, uh, anyway, I threw those in, in the show notes just, uh, for you to take a, take a look at there. You could really see like the disc of Europa sort of superposed over top of uh, one of the uh, bands uh, or belts of uh, Jupiter. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Still a, a really neat observation. Um, I wonder if there's any of the transit software, like for the Galilean moons that uh, can accurately predict this type of thing, you know, where the, one of the Galilean moons will be transiting across like a darker band. Yep. Therefore there, there is yep. software that tells you that. Like, yeah, it does. Band. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It won't, it won't tell you that, but you can interpolate it. Like you just have to uh, run it forward for like um, your, you know, whatever time uh, increment that you want. Like you just look for that time period and then you can sort of just sit there and watch the uh, transits taking place and see when the shadows are going to cross on the bands. Um, because Paul Gray, who's the previous editor for the Observer's Calendar, I'm the current editor, um, he sent me one he got of, I think it might have been Europa too, but it wasn't that night, it was on another night, or at least he could see the great red spot from his location. And uh, and he also got a little bit of the planet there, in, or the, the moon in front of uh, Jupiter. But yeah, it needs to, the, the moons need to line up with one of the dark bands um, for sure, for sure. But I was surprised how easy it was. It wasn't 
as difficult as seeing like the great red spot. So that that's the level of difficulty. It wasn't nearly that difficult. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's uh, that should be pretty easy then, really. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And I, I looked it up since last week because I was like, well, that was pretty easy to see. So this mm-hmm. this has got to be something that uh, the people are observing. You can go on like the Cloudy Night sketching forum. That's like a good place to see what people are visually observing because if you just kind of do a search for, um, you know, uh, moon transits on Jupiter and you, you get all kinds of images that, that will show these things, but can you actually see them visually? And they talk quite a bit about it. And you, sort of strangely enough, I did this sketch without looking at anybody else's sketches. And then if you go in there, you can find other people have done almost like the similar thing where they have like just like a section sketch and then like a full planet sketch. So it just, I guess that just must make logical sense to uh, to do a set of sketches that way. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> so but maybe I'd seen them in the past and just never, uh, never really absorbed it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a neat thing. And uh, there was, there was going to be one tomorrow night. If it's clear, I actually brought my scope in so I can uh, try for it. If, if it does end up clearing out, I'm skeptical, but uh, if it does clear out, yeah, I'll try for the one tomorrow night. I can't remember which one it is. IO, I think mm-hmm. is going to pass in front of the same, uh, the same band so oh no it's going to pass over the uh, south equatorial band yeah okay yeah and you can see it on the uh what's it called the moons of uh jupiter software which by the way there's two versions of that software there's one that's like very it reminds me of like university software almost it's it's relatively basic but it gives you what you need Mm -hmm. and then there's another one that looks it kind of has all these super fancy graphics but I think it just tells you about the moons of Jupiter. Anyway, at least that's what it looked like to me. And then I think somebody said that it's only on the Android store. Do you remember that as well? It's not on the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned that um, when uh, I think a listener recommended this and then you downloaded it and I looked for it on the iOS store and I couldn't find it. Yeah, I've got an iPhone, but I'll, I use, uh, and I was we talking about this just before we recorded, I use uh, an Android tablet, basically, for those that don't know. It's a Chromebook, Pixelbook kind of deal. I really like that uh, setup. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's available on that. Yeah, kind of uh, kind of neat. All right. Um, yeah, any, any other observations or anything before we get into some uh, Sunday morning humor? Yeah, no, uh, nothing else to report. Let's get into the, the puns. <laughs> so, so uh, we've had a few puns and jokes come in. We're 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 open to puns and jokes. So, regardless of what people send us, we'll uh, we'll try to read most of them. I think um, Dave Chapman, who's uh, sometimes a guest of of the show and a longtime collaborator of of mine and in, in many things astronomy, uh, he sent us in a couple jokes. Uh, his first one I hadn't heard before. Um, it was the belt of Orion is a big waste of space, like mm-hmm, W-A-I-S-T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. We need a laugh track for this. Can someone send us a laugh track? Okay. <laughs> Shane isn't, Shane's I'm, not cutting it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the appreciator of puns, so it's hard for, <laughs> for those to actually tickle my funny bone. I, I'm usually the eye roller when it comes to puns. So you can ask my wife because uh, she loves puns and I typically roll my eye. <laughs> we should. Yeah, we should. All right. Then his other one, uh, which is a longtime favorite of mine, is have you heard about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, but no atmosphere. 
You know, you've, I've heard like you that. say that yeah. one multiple times in Grasslands, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good one. That is a good I one. I like that one. I yeah. like that one. So those are from Dave and uh, Dave and Kathy LeBlanc and uh, uh, I think mm. it's uh, Gould. They have a uh, really cool new book out called Mi'kmaq Moons. And uh, yeah, just you're grabbing the URL for that now. It says it's in stock at AtlanticBooks.ca. Mm-hmm. And so this is um, uh, a book on, you know, and I don't want to misspeak, but I, but it's about the moon and the different moons of the year. So there's, as we all know, there's, there's typically a full moon every month, and these are associated with um, uh, different activities. Um, and uh, anyway, it goes through uh, an indigenous uh, lens uh, from uh, from the Mi'kmaq peoples and talks about, you know, the different. Uh, the different moons and, and what they're called throughout the years in that culture. And it uh, goes into uh, a bit of an explanation. I haven't seen it yet. I'm pretty excited. I was talking to Dave on Friday night, uh, gave him a call, he called me back and was talking about uh, actually getting hard copies of the book and uh, was really excited. And uh, I was kind of needling him again to, uh, uh, to get Kathy uh, and, and, uh, and him on the show and do a bit of an interview, but they've got like a, bunch of book launches and media mm. interviews and stuff like that. And, and I think that the book is only available like in minimum, what do you call it? Minimum quantities right now. And yeah. So a lot of these books. Wait will... until... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of these types of books won't have a large print run uh, just because they don't know the demand necessarily. So like we've yeah. said before, if you have an interest in some of these astronomy books, it's good to snap them up when they are available because sometimes they disappear and then they disappear forever and there's no more uh, print runs. Yeah, he, he t- I think he told me how many they pressed. I was kind of, I thought even for a low run, it was low and, uh, mm-hmm. and he was of the same opinion. And, and I think it's just like you said, that they just don't know. I know that um, uh, Indigenous Skylore is is i would say um one of the top requests that i get um when i'm doing my astronomy courses although um there's there's not that many resources on it so these are the resources so th- this is something that you know anybody that does astronomy or region education um is probably going to want to get a copy of as well just for uh for your own uh, astronomy indigenization uh, it's a great resource to have so I think it'll probably sell out and then they'll probably have to do another printing or something like that. But Dave did keep a copy for me. So mm. uh, I'm going to try to uh, get it later on uh, this year. And, uh, and so looking, looking forward to that. So I, I have a copy with, with my name on it and hopefully have, uh, have his and Kathy's uh, signatures uh, in there as well. So yeah, should be, should be good. I meant to put a few more details in there. I just I was telling you, I was having some trouble with my computer this morning, so uh, I didn't tell Dave I was going to mention it on the show or anything, but uh, I had meant to put in a few more details, but I uh, had a lot of trouble with my Windows computer. Uh, yeah. starting up here. Well, if, if anybody if anybody wants to order it or, or wants to read a little bit of the uh, synopsis here, it's uh, <clears throat> the website is atlanticbooks.ca, and the title of the book is Mi'kmaq Moons. Mi'kmaq. Uh, Mi'kmaq yeah. Moons, so M-I apostrophe K-M-A-W, Moons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's uh, one of those words that was uh, commonly uh, mispronounced for uh, quite a long time. It's one of those words, yeah. Yeah, for sure. People pronounced it incorrectly. So yeah, Mi'kmaq. 
but spelt M I prostrophe K M A W moons. Yeah, people should find it. Should be a really good book. Looking forward to it. And then we had a uh, pun from Stefan, bit of an email there. Uh, do you want to read that one? Uh, yeah. So he says, Dear Chris and Shane, I hope you're both well. Uh, loved your recent summer short episodes and happy that you're back to the regular broadcast length as we had as we head towards the winter months. Uh, I would here. like what's that? <laughs> it's already winter here. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring and have a crack at winning Deep Sky Wonders by Sue French. It's a title I've longed to add to my book collection, so fingers crossed. Uh, here's my joke entry, which is a classic oldie. Uh, it certainly ticks the box for observational astronomy, I guess. And here it is. So astronomers got tired watching the moon go around the earth for 24 hours. So they decided to call it a day. <laughs> I heard that one. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Jessica told me that one last night, actually. Did she really? <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of I hadn't funny. heard that one before. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Add, add that to the repertoire, Chris. Good stuff. Uh, Bob sent us a pun, too. Uh, also wanted to take a crack at winning uh, Sue French's book. And he says, the astronaut of the 22nd century returns to Earth, uh, having been the first patron of the first restaurant on the moon. The anxious reporter asked the astronaut, so tell me, what did you think of the first restaurant on the moon? The astronaut replies, it was okay. The food is good, but the place is no atmosphere. <laughs> there we go. Got got that one twice now. <laughs> bit of a bit of a different take on that one. One yep. of my favorites, so I can appreciate that. I can yep. appreciate that. And uh, Wade sent us this one, which was an image. This this I thought was quite funny. So I was trying to figure: out, did he find this or did he make it up? Like part of me thought maybe he he cobbled that together. It's a bit of a visual joke, but. How should we describe it? Well, it's a meme. So you got you have two uh, two two men on a couch just having a conversation, and the one guy says to his buddy, uh, "Have you ever used a telescope before?" And his buddy replies, "No, never. Is it fun?" And he says, "Yeah, it's great." And then he says, "You should look into it." But you know, the meme it zones in on on kind of the initial guy. It's it's kind of funny. <laughs> I thought it was really really funny. I laughed. I laughed pretty good at that one. And then we had uh, Joe sent us a visual pun, which is um, the astronomer's periodic table of elements. And uh, basically, there's there's just three things. So we're all familiar with the table of elements, the periodic table of elements. And it has like this uh, sort of uh, myriad of, of boxes with all of the uh, abbreviated elements in it and atomic numbers and blah, 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 and all this stuff. Well, in the astronomer's periodic table of elements, it just has um, a little box that has hydrogen on the left and a little box on the top right, which is helium. And then in between, it has like that sort of classic uh, periodic table of elements structure. And it just says metals in there. And it's all just one uh, color, which is pretty funny because with stars, of course, they're uh, fusing uh, hydrogen and helium and towards the end of their life, they start fusing other things. And then this is the production of, of all the metals. It's, it's a bit of a, a bit of a visual joke because essentially all the metals uh, come from the stars. Um, so I, I appreciate that. That one is, uh, is pretty geeky there, Shane. I don't know what your thoughts are on that one, but uh, I really like it from, from the geek standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sort of hits on that front too, you know, the, the nerd, the nerdiness that comes out in astronomy. Yeah, this this is the type of thing that you see when you're walking through the uh, 
uh, like by the uh, physics society board at, at your local university. And uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, Glenn sent us a bit of a bit of an email there. I'm not sure. Do you want to uh, give this one a read? Yeah, for sure. Uh, he says, hi, Chris and Shane. Uh, we're still cleaning up after Hurricane Ian. Uh, I'm sorry to say that Sanibel got the worst of it. Uh, they're going to rebuild, but it'll take years. Mm. Uh, the days after the hurricane uh, were very clear and with 95% power outage, no light pollution. But I was just too tired to set up my daub. Uh, my wife and I bought this lot almost 30 years ago and we were walking it, planning on where the house would be when the sun set. Um, I haven't seen skies that dark until the days after Ian. Um, I never noticed how much uh, lights from the affected or from the area affected the night skies until then. Uh, I ordered a new eyepiece mm -hmm. and a filter. And of course, when they arrived, we had total cloud cover. Uh, the filter is a 13% transmission neutral moon filter, and I found it does a good job of bringing out details on Jupiter. Uh, the eyepiece was a six millimeter Orion edge on planetary. And now I know what you meant when you said a high power eyepiece magnifies the defects in the night sky. Uh, lesson learned. Um, Amassing, I'm amassing quite a collection of boxes of accessories and was wondering how you guys store and organize your stuff. And uh, this may be an idea for a short episode. Uh, anyway, my entry into the pun contest, uh, I'm going to have a star party. Can you help me plan it? <laughs> it's just going to Venus and a few others. There you go. There's, there's Glenn's entry. Like that one, like that one. So yeah, it's, it's too bad he sent this in this morning and uh, it's too bad because I just sort of had dismantled how I was storing all my astronomy gear um, for the summer. Um, I had a had a big shelf unit set up. I think you saw that when you were out and I sort of had everything there and you arrived and we're like, oh, no, I've got an extension to you. I'm like, I got one right here. You know, I had, mm -hmm. yep. had, it all, had it all set up, but I don't know that I ever took any photos of it. I'll have to have to look through and see if I can find uh any photos of it, but now everything's just sort of packed away in, uh, in cases. So how about you, Shane? How's your stuff, uh, currently stored away? Well, it's, there's, there's a few components to it. So I do have a, a shelving unit right behind me and, um, I don't know, there's four shelves and on those shelves are a number of telescopes and diagonals and eyepieces and kind of the, the stuff that I use a lot. It's just there. Mm -hmm. I can grab it and away I go. Uh, on the very bottom shelf, it's just a whole bunch of like Pelican cases that have um, like eyepieces and other things in there. And that's mm -hmm. more so like, you know, if I'm uh, even if I'm observing in the backyard, like my my set or my collection of uh, paired eyepieces for bino viewing, you know, that's in a Pelican case. So I can just grab that and go. But essentially, that's it. Um, I do have a couple other little organizers, uh, like um, uh, kind of like toolboxes that you might put in your garage uh, that have like drawers, you know, so you can just store multiple little things. So I've got one of those behind me, it has two drawers. And like one drawer has a whole bunch of like T2 adapters and accessories. The other drawer just has a whole bunch of Borg adapters and accessories. So kind of smaller things like that. Mm. So I use a, a lot of different stuff uh, to organize and I'm still not super organized. Like as I'm looking in front of me by my monitor, I have a couple filters sitting there, <laughs> you know, kind of odds and ends in places okay. they really shouldn't be. But, but yeah, that's how I approach it. 
And when it becomes cool. too much, I usually start to sell things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Just so people know, people are hearing funny things in the audio. There's a few things going on here right now. So this storm is really kicking up and it's like there's uh, ice pellets that are just smashing into the window right beside where I'm sitting. Uh, so people may be hearing that. And then I think as well, um, there is some problems like with the power grid and that here this morning. So I think sometimes we're getting um, just things cutting in and out just just a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if you're hearing that as well, Shane, but I just thought I'd mention it to you, mention it to the listeners as well. I don't think it will let it stop us, but uh, but people may notice a little bit of uh, strangeness in the audio quality this morning just from the, uh, it's a pretty bad storm actually. Oops, so yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm not really hearing whatever's hitting your, your window. So hopefully, hopefully nobody else does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can definitely hear something coming back every once in a while, like an echo or something. And uh, mm. I, I think it may be from that. Okay, cool. All right. I uh, had another note here from, uh, from uh, let's see, Bruce in Colorado. And he says, uh, hello, uh, Chris and Shane. I've been listening to your podcast each week. And I always enjoy the conversation. I like that you guys are learning like the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely true. And he said that he was listening to podcast 266. And his opinion when using Sky Safari and zooming in on Jupiter to see the events is not the best way. Um, All of the next uh, Jupiter moon transits, shadow transits, occultations, and GRS transits are all listed in the object object info sidebar. Mm -hmm. Uh, What he does is he says, uh, I use search, sun and planets. Jupiter to see this information quickly. You set the date ahead. You can see um, what will happen in the future. There is no need to zoom in on Jupiter to see what's going on. Just the little clock on the right and uh, and the event time that you uh, want to take a look at for events. Uh, Bruce says, I really enjoy your podcast. Uh, please keep them coming. Uh, Bruce in Colorado. Yeah, we appreciate Bruce. Actually, we had uh, several people write. I was really surprised how many different ways there are to get the same or to get on the same screen for um, those events. So typically what I would do is, is uh, like zoom in on Jupiter and, and take the events that way. Um, you are going to the hourglass search feature and clicking on planet, sun and planets, and then just selecting Jupiter and then just scrolling down. Um, somebody sent me a different way to do it using like an index finger. And then there was like third or fourth different way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that, the um, the moons of Jupiter app, though, for looking at just these transits, um, I really like that. Um, and for many reasons. One, it's it's free, it's small, lightweight, really easy to use. And then um, I can just play it. Like I found it really easy to locate when there would be some of these transits um, where the moons would pass in front of the, the uh, belts and bands of Jupiter, uh, where you might be able to pick them up. I found that more difficult to do in, in Sky Safari. But I think it's like one of those things, like for me using the Sky Safari um, for finding those events and and doing that was uh, inconvenient, just the way that I observe and just my own personal workflow. Um, but for the next person, Shane, it, it works perfectly fine, it seems. And uh, anyway, but maybe there are people that are like me out there and uh, and have an Android device they can download the Moons of Jupiter on and, and use that. But I... I I can't remember who the listener was. My apologies. I did read it out in the last show, but or two shows ago. Uh, but I do really appreciate getting uh, getting that piece of software advice. I often don't go and download software that people recommend. It's not really something I do that much. Um, but that one I did just because it was something uh, 
very specific that I was looking for. And that's what that app is for. It's very specific into the, uh, those transit events, but know that has the GRS stuff or much else in it. Doesn't have much uh, other information in it, which uh, that's what I use Sky Safari for everything else. But anyway, cool stuff. eh? Yeah, for sure. All right. Do you want to read uh, Matthew's uh, note there? Yeah. So he says, yo, Chris and Shane, uh, first off, I'd like to thank you all for everything that you've done for me and the amateur astronomy community as a whole. Uh, as we're all well aware, uh, there's not much in the way of uh, content devoted to actual astronomy. So finding a podcast called Actual Astronomy that's actually about astronomy was one of those great, happy little coincidences in life. Uh, I've listened to basically every episode since discovering this podcast, and I can't begin to describe how helpful it's been through my journey in this hobby. Um, I've always been obsessed with astronomy. Uh, the first thing I wanted to be as a child was an astronomer. Well, I actually said astronaut because my parents and other adults would say, oh, you want to be an astronaut. Uh, when I pointed out, uh, or when I pointed at the stars, uh, but I digress. Uh, I grew up as uh, the son of a small-time farmer in the mountains of North Carolina, and was never exposed to a community of others uh, with like interest in the heavens. Uh, nor did I ever have money for telescopes or binoculars that weren't for hunting. Uh, have you ever tried observing using a rifle scope? It doesn't work very well. <laughs> um, Anyway, fast forward to a few years ago, I never grew past my love for the sky. And although I hadn't been observing, I'd spent years reading everything that had anything to do with the happenings outside of our atmosphere. Uh, one afternoon, I was listening to a podcast from a fellow countryman of y'all's, uh, Fraser Kane, uh, when he mentioned just how great a pair of binoculars are for astronomy and how he really enjoyed his 15 by 70s. Hmm, I thought, uh, those aren't too expensive, and I've always wanted to do actual astronomy. Uh, I had a pair within three days. Uh, the first night I got them out, I decided to look at something I knew uh, from years of naked eye observing, so I pointed them at Big old Red and Terry's. Uh, I quickly noticed a dim smudge towards the southwest and almost jumped with joy, uh, knowing that I saw my first mythical faint fuzzy deep sky object. Uh, I've been addicted to this hobby uh, since, uh, but I quickly learned that I needed to listen to other amateurs to help me get started. Uh, since I didn't have anyone around and I turned, or so, sorry, I didn't have anyone around, so I turned online, joined the Astronomical League, uh, as well as the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers and Cloudy Nights, and I began to read, watch, and listen to everything I came across, especially this podcast. Although the 15 by 70s were really a little much to start with, I listened to advice and stuck with them for a fairly long time, just learning the sky. Uh, a few months back, I finally felt I was ready to upgrade to an actual telescope so I could do actual astronomy. Uh, sticking with the great advice the community offers uh, and the many, many Ed Ting YouTube videos, plus some research and debate, I finally decided on an Aptura 88 inch of, uh, Dobsonian. Uh, I would sit around listening nice. to Don Mackholtz uh, and dream about the things I might discover once I got my scope. Uh, side note, I received uh, the AD8 on the day that Don passed away. Uh, my scope is now named Don the Dob in his honor. Um, mm -hmm. That's a that's a good scope to start out with. Hey, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Yeah, the eight-inch Dob, you can never go wrong. 
Uh, Matthew goes on to say, I absolutely fell in love with this scope. It goes outside absolutely every chance I get, regardless of the weather. I'll set up and hope for a sucker hole. Uh, I figured this would be just a honeymoon phase and that I would calm down after a bit. Um, but, uh, after about two and a half months later, I'm still just as pumped as the day I got it. Uh, I set up during new moon, full moon, uh, excellent pinpoint seeing, uh, looking through a waterfall, seeing crystal clear transparency all the way to a sky full of smoke. Um, I've been mainly working on the Messier catalog, but I've really been enjoying planetary. Uh, got a scope during the perfect time for Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars, as well as double and mm. carbon stars during bright moon phases. Um, something nobody mentioned was just how fun upgrading the scope can be. Uh, I've added thumb knobs to the mm -hmm. secondary, uh, a Telrad with a PM research dew shield, flocked the OTA with protostar flock board, uh, added a baffle around the primary mirror fan, uh, a few magnetic counterweights, an Astro Zap light shield, uh, dew shield for the eight by 50, uh, right angle, correct image finder. Uh, blackened out, uh, blacked out mirror sides and added manual setting circles. Um, that's pretty awesome. There's a, wow. that's a lot of work and all of that, that is, stuff, uh, yeah. does make a difference either in the mechanical operation or, you know, like flocking the OTA and blackening the mirror will, you know, should give you a little bump too in the contrast and just overall performance. So, you know, nice job on all of that. For sure. And then yeah, the last that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah it does. And then uh, Matthew finishes up here saying, anyway, I just wanted to give, give you all a holler from down here in the mountains of North Carolina and say thanks and keep it up. I'd love to send some observing reports in some time and maybe get some constructive criticism since I don't have anyone else to share with. Then um, he just signs off. Nice. So yeah, great email. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I know we look forward from getting your, uh, your observations. Uh, yeah, I mean, the ob observations are funny, you know, like, I don't think I've ever really given anybody anything I would call like critical evaluation or any kind of criticism on anybody's observation. It's it's just the way that people um, are going to see stuff and work through. I would say this, though, if if you are, the one thing I wish I had done much earlier on is is getting get into the whole sketching business, um, just because I'm not an artist and I don't really have um, any kind of natural ability for drawing or sketching or anything, but it turns out that um, that's not necessarily uh, something that you absolutely need to have. You don't need to have any kind of natural artistic ability to do it. In fact, probably most people are going to be far and away more naturally gifted in that zone than I am. But yeah, that's one thing I would, I would think about doing because one of the things that I think it does is it uh, sort of pulls you out of just uh uh, what you're using to observe and then pulls you into what you are uh, looking at. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of value to, to be had in, uh, in really paying attention to, to the observations and having fun with that. So mm -hmm. yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to, to getting the observations. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think any, any logging of your observations improves probably your observation ability. Um, because if you have to start to draw the object that you're observing or write a description about it, um, I, I just think mm. it, it, you know, you then really do have to uh, take the view in and think about what it looks like and then translate that to your paper. 
um, as opposed to just quickly finding it and moving it on, moving on to the next object. And then it, it does have some, mm-hmm. um, like some purpose for future uh, observations too. Like, you know, sometimes you can observe the same object multiple times and then compare your observation notes or sketches to see, you know, just how different conditions maybe changed the view, uh, maybe how different eyepieces, mm-hmm. telescopes change the view. Um, and then mm-hmm. also too, like, you know, you and I will ask each other, Hey, have you looked at NGC, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to remember sometimes. So if you've got a good log, uh, whether again, it's sketches or you, you know, you're writing descriptions, it's, you know, you go into your database and then you can find out real quick if you've seen it and what you thought of it. So, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of observing uh, or of logging the observations, uh, in whatever manner kind of suits your, your style. Cause I, I think there's a lot of value that comes out of that. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and the other thing is, and I know lots of people work through the messies. I, I certainly do when I get going, and that's cool. But uh, you know, take a look at your software, planetarium software, star charts. Uh, if if you just have physical star charts, think about maybe getting Sky Safari or some other planetarium software. If you just have the Sky Safari and planetarium software, think about getting a good star chart like uh, interstellarum or or if people don't already have it the pocket atlas i think is sort of a, a must have for for most folks and then you know take a look and uh, go off piste a little bit you know take a look at some of the brighter um open clusters that maybe aren't the messy list like uh, i think shane the other week you were looking at ngc 752 which is a large open cluster uh they're just off of the uh well, it's between, I think it's between Triangulum and and uh, Andromeda or something like that. And, you know, there's lots of big, beautiful open clusters, the Hyades. Um, you know, there's a couple of big open clusters uh, right in Taurus um, and around Orion as well. So, um, you know, pick out a few messages to do every night, but then try to pick another object out too that maybe isn't on the messy list just based on, uh, you know, just what you think, you know, just like just pick one not quite at random, but, you know, take a look at your charts and then just, just pick one to observe. And then that will give you just a slightly different take on, uh, on, on what you're observing and what you can see and what to expect when you are looking at stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the reference to the, uh, sky and telescope pocket Atlas, um, one of the things I like to do there is, you know, I'll, I'll often have a few objects within a constellation that I want to observe and I'll, I'll mark up my, my atlas with those. So I'm prepared. Um, but then once I'm there, sometimes I'll just start looking for other objects in that constellation to observe. And, you know, rather than following any particular list, I'll just start looking at whatever is there. And, you know, some of it um, is better suited for dark skies compared to say my light polluted backyard. Um, you know, so some of that stuff isn't, uh, isn't going to be ideal, but it's still just neat to kind of see what you can see within one constellation. It's, it's a very efficient way to observe because then you're not having to, uh, slew your telescope all over the sky, looking at different things. But again, that's just one, one way to do it. it there's a, there's a lot of different ways to have fun out there. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good, Shane. Well, I think we're at the end of, I, I picked out a, a bunch of observations there and a bunch of emails from folks. For some reason, I thought it would take us a lot longer to get through that, but sometimes that just the way the podcast crumbles. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Do you have anything else to add 
to this episode. Nope, that's it, Chris. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we always appreciate your observations. Keep sending them in. And uh, you can send those to actualastronomy at gmail.com. And then uh, also, yeah, always happy to get your um, observing and astronomy puns and jokes um, to win a copy of Sue French's Deep Sky Wonders. What are we doing? Another, are we doing another week or two weeks on that? I think another week. We will give everybody until November the 5th to submit their okay. puns and jokes. And then okay. we record on so November 6th. 10 days we'll pick it then. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And be sure to get those in. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>